the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good to be with you on this Friday, this great Friday for hour two of the Pastor Scott Show. We're on three to five each and every weekday. And you can always get our podcast by searching for the Pastor Scott Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can find it on our radio station website by going to keyword Scott. Good to be with you on Fridays. We do something different. Open Line Friday, you can call about any subject you'd like, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, and uh, we'll change the subject for you. You can talk about Bible question you have or maybe something going on in your life. You can also talk about uh, something in the news or just keep us going in the conversation that uh, we're having. Big news in uh, the world of abortion rights, a couple of big stories. One of them is the Supreme Court uh, today temporarily blocked the lower court order that imposed restrictions on the widely used abortion pill. We talked about that earlier this week uh, with one of our guests. And uh, so that is uh, that restriction is on hold. I think that's going to take a while to work itself out. One of the issues with that is the abortion pill, which, by the way, in a lot of ways, that's the future of this conversation, right? So in the and I know this is an uncomfortable subject for a lot of people uh, for various reasons, of course, but there's certainly a politic about it that's a big deal. And, you know, one of the things that's happening is as states reduce the the amount of time a person can get abortions, by the way, in most of uh, Europe, it's about 12 weeks. The limit is there. You'd think that Europe would be more um, left on this subject than the United States, but it's not. We're one of the most uh, liberal in the world uh, because of that. Um, but that's changing, and it changed in a big way yesterday uh, in the state of Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday signed a six-week ban, or maybe it was this morning, but a six-week limit on abortion. So previously, uh, it was 15-week limit on abortion in Florida. Now it is six, basically a heartbeat law. And that has brought out a lot of reaction that's political, okay? So there's different ways when we talk about this, of course, there's there's the moral issue of it and the life of the child and all of those things and, you know, how the child got there in the first place and a lot of those questions. There's political discussion about it. There's a lot of people who are Republicans who feel like maybe this is not good for us politically. And in fact, many people today said this is the end of Ron DeSantis, who has not actually announced that he's running for president, but he probably is. And Nancy Mace, Republican Congresswoman, had this to say. It's going to mean more losses. And I don't believe that my party has learned anything from 2022 from the midterms. We saw this issue uh, rear its head after Roe was overturned. I was one of the few Republicans that was doing national media, talking about a need to find and build consensus. I've written multiple op-eds. I've done multiple interviews on the issue. I'm in a bellwether district, and I see the pulse of everyday Americans on both sides of the aisle, men and women alike, and they are not with us. 
They're not with the extreme far right crazy nut jobs that want to take this, uh, that want to go to these extreme places. I mean, there are people out there advocating for women not to have access to birth control. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Do you want to lose every race or just a few races? It's really baffling to me that this is where we are in our country today. And I think you can find a way to balance the right to life with women's rights. And it's just finding that middle ground, putting exceptions in for rape, incest, life of the mother, and fetal abnormalities, looking at those exceptions, finding reasonable gestational limits, and being compassionate because we can't win hearts and minds when we're this ugly to other people, and particularly to victims of rape. I can't tell you how many times I've come out and talked about my story and why I take the positions I take, then to only get attacked as a victim of rape, about being raped, uh, from the far right. And it's wrong. And women are not going to vote for us if this is the stance that we're going to take. We're going to continue to lose lots of races. You can be conservative and find solutions where most people can agree with you. But if we don't do that, we're going to suffer some major losses in 24. It's going to be a bloodbath. I believe it's going to be a dogfight. And I don't think we know what's coming. So that's a pretty strong statement from South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. She's a Republican. And I believe that her view on abortion is uh, that she would have exceptions for life of the mother and rape and incest um, and maybe a couple other exceptions on there. What she's arguing is that if Republicans just just continue in Republican states to outlaw abortion or make it harder to get the six-week limit, for example, and other things, then they think she would say that that's one of the reasons that Republicans are losing elections. And Republicans should at least notice that they have not won the way people think um, since 2016. On the other hand, you might be interest, it, it might be very interesting to take a look and see what, what about Republican governors in other states that have signed similar legislation? What do you think about this? Is, you know, how do you deal with the politics? Let's say that you're against abortion and you don't believe that this should be something that people should choose. You think it should be illegal that we should protect the life of the child, which is what I think. You should protect the life of the unborn child. The unborn child should have constitutional rights. People have various uh, opinions about issues of uh, life of the mother. Obviously, I think most people would support uh, life of the mother because it's life for life kind of thing. Um, should the should the pro-life group play politics with us and say we should go slower? The argument would be, well, you don't want to lose a bunch of elections because then you can't do anything. Um, on the other hand, the argument is, well, we believe that people, human beings are being killed and that should stop now. You see the political tension that's there? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I see your calls on some other issues. I'll get to that in just a second because it is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. But this is a big story in the news. And, you know, what I find interesting about the discussion and Nancy Mace's uh, response, I know that there's a lot of people frustrated about the politics of it um, and whether or not that is costing Republicans elections. Big election that Republicans lost, or at least people on the right lost in the state of Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago that put the Wisconsin Supreme Court firmly on the left. It will probably... Um, loosen up uh, lots of different um, victories that people on the right had had at one point or another. Do you think that there should be a political, you know, a, a political thought to how these laws are passed, you know, political strategery, if you will, or is it just simply important to um, put the six-week heartbeat, heartbeat bills, for example, in place 
and uh, risk the loss of election later on, if that's really where people are. And I think that's the big question. And this is an issue, like I said, people don't like to talk about it. Even, you know, a lot of people do like to talk about it on the left and right, but there's a lot of people in between that or just regular folks who have very strong opinions, but they they don't express it. The big question is, are they expressing it at the ballot box? And is that expression one that is uh, in favor of abortion more than what the polls would even say? You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a very interesting thing. But what I also found interesting in this, people are saying Ron DeSantis is out, that, oh, he signed that, and that's really uh, the end of Ron DeSantis. And, you know, they say this a lot about politicians, right? How many times has Donald Trump been uh, completely done? The walls are caving in. You know, Donald Trump is done. Uh, how many times was, if you're old enough, how many times was Bill Clinton done? You know, he's not even going to get reelected. He's, Sam Donaldson said he'd have to resign in a week after the Monica thing came out. You know, the American people are very interesting in how these things these things play out. Uh, Ron DeSantis during the the COVID, he was Ron Death Santis, remember, because he kept the beaches and the businesses open. And the world, you know, the country was peppered with headlines that Ron DeSantis will be solely responsible for the annihilation of Floridians. The Washington Post said this to their readers in Florida. They said, in Florida, we love our beaches. Thanks to our governor, we can now die for them. <laughs> uh, that's not what happened in Florida. Uh, that's not what happened in all of this, this kind of thing. Researchers, an interesting thing is researchers at UCLA found this out, trying to research abortion. Abortion is hard to research because, like I said, people don't like to talk about it. And when they're asked about it, they often don't give the answer that they really think in their heart, meaning that they will gauge what the truth, what they're going to say based upon who's asking the question. Do they think this person asking the, the question or the polling company wants them to say they're pro-life or pro-choice? And they'll weigh their answer a little bit. You know, People do that. It's very private. UCLA, however, uh, said this, that despite the intense media coverage after the leak of the Dobbs decision last April, that was the, the – remember the Supreme Court leak? It took them 10 minutes to figure out who leaked all the documents on uh, the um, – from the Pentagon recently, but they still have not figured out – who leaked the document at the Supreme Court. Anyway, when that was leaked, they said this. Uh, despite the media coverage after the leak, the decision in, uh, last April, there was almost no change in the importance of abortion to Americans in polling. And by July, UCLA said that people had reverted to their pre-leak voting preferences. And they say that there was not yet evidence that abortion can be determined, can determine the outcome of most political campaigns. And I found that interesting. Is that true? Because what I keep hearing is that abortion is the issue left and right. And in some of the elections going on that uh, particularly that Republicans have lost that lots of people thought they would win, a lot of people say are saying it's abortion and that people want their abortions and that's how people actually vote. And there's a part of me that thinks that's true, that that is even people who are saying that they're pro-life, that secretly that's not how they're going to vote in a private ballot. But here's the thing that would suggest that that's wrong. Uh, when DeSantis had passed a 15-week limit on abortion, which incidentally, almost all abortions that happen are before 15 weeks. So that's hardly a limit on abortion, actually. Uh, he won his uh, primary right after that in the Republican Party by 19 points and then won his election by 19 points. And here's what's also interesting. Georgia Governor Kemp, after signing the same six-week limit in Georgia, he won by eight points in a state that Donald Trump lost 
So he picked up a lot of points. Ohio Governor DeWine signed a six-week limit and won by 25 points in a state that Donald Trump only won by eight points in 2020. And the same thing with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who won by 19 in a state that Donald Trump won by eight. And Governor Abbott of Texas won his rate in 11 points after the same sort of bill. And that was because uh, he was running against Beto O'Rourke, which you can expect that he would win. I can't believe it's only 11. Uh, Kemp signed that heartbeat bill in May, and six months later, he defeated Stacey Abrams, who decided to make abortion the center of her campaign uh, in 2020, and she lost. And so there's a lot of interesting evidence that says, politically speaking, that maybe DeSantis is on the right track of this. And I'm not saying that you should make a decision on abortion based on the politics of it. Uh, It is a very significant moral issue. Um, but the reality of the politics of it is something that people think about. And I don't know, the, you know, we'll see how this plays out. I think, it, I think what matters is that we deal with it in a, in a way that is honest and straightforward. And, and I think for people who are against abortion, as I am, uh, you also have to take a lot of steps to take care of women who find themselves in a position where they probably would not choose abortion, except that they feel very desperate in their situation, which is a lot of the reason for it. There's a lot more that we can do on that. Anyway, I thought that's an interesting subject. You're going to hear a lot about it in the news, a lot of attack of Ron DeSantis, as uh, there's attack of Ron DeSantis for this and for how he eats pudding, apparently. I don't know if you saw that. There's (laughs) There's a Trump ad against Ron DeSantis that accuses him of wanting to uh, increase Social Security, uh, the time when you can get Social Security to age 70, which we're going to have to do. It's just a fact. And that he's against Medicare and he eats pudding with his fingers. And there's a, and the whole ad is a guy shoving like a, you know, a kiddie pack of chocolate pudding in his mouth and getting it all over the place like that's Ron DeSantis. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work. Anyway, it's a weird time that we live in. It is Open Line Friday. That means you can call about anything you'd like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Jim in Huntington Beach, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Jim, still with I was going to say, I work... yeah, I, I, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Okay, yeah, I was just going to say I work for SAIC, too, and that was kind of instrumental in my, my Christian life. I was going to go down and work in Australia for two years. I went down there for two months, and they said, we're sorry, the job went away, but you can commute up to El Segundo if you want to commute two and a half hours. So I just said, no, thank you. I previously worked in Australia in the outback uh, for a company called NGC, and I was able to pay my house off. So anyway, I committed myself full-time to Christian screenwriting. There's this thing called the 168, um, where you have 168 hours, which is one week to either make a 12-minute film or uh, write a 12-page screenplay. Is that the uh, thing actually, that a lot of people join? I think I've seen that before, where several screenwriters and people write these short films. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, it's like a film festival. Yeah, they're 12 minutes. Yeah, you have to be uh, 12 minutes or less, or if it's a screenplay, which is a page a minute, it has to be. So uh, all my success has come with this Christian screenwriting. I have 64 o- awards, and 62 of them well, good are going to start writing Christian screenplays. But previously... When I was in the outback, I accepted the Lord for the first time when Will Graham came to this remote outback town. So there's a lot of uh, coincidences. Uh, 
and your company SAIC, I think it's they haven't been bought up by companies. They've been buying companies like Cytor and Agility. Well, I think they but, broke um, up uh, at some point. I haven't I haven't followed along. Still a big company, and I think probably is still a good place to work. Thanks for calling, Jim, and uh, uh, and good luck at the next uh, film festival as that uh, as that comes up. Uh, and uh, you know, it's interesting too that he's talking about just where you work and that that led him to Christ. I mean, it's not. You know, most of the companies we work for are not Christian, you know, but something that I think, you know, people would ask me a lot about God's will. What's God's will for my life? Usually they mean I got a decision to make and uh, how do I do it? You know, where am I going to go? And unfortunately, God's answer so often to us is none of your business. Uh, It's because God wants us to trust him, right? If he tells us everything, then we'll just tip our hat to him and say, I'll see you later. Uh, He wants us to trust him. But, you know, when it comes down to where do you work? Like, do I take this job or that? There's a lot of wisdom that should go into that decision. But at the end of the day, you know what I think it is? I think it's what is God going to do in your life through the people that you meet there? You know, are you going to make disciples of the people that you work with at this company over that company? Or in this case, you know, in, in Jim's case, he wasn't a believer, took this job, ended up in Australia. And lo and behold, there's Will Graham. It's Billy Graham's grandson, I believe, and uh, got saved because he chose that job. You know, God's will, by the way, is always going to have something to do with God's kingdom, you know, God's will for your life is going to have something to do with glorifying God through what you do, wherever it is that you work or who you marry or whatever it is that you feel called to do. And that's how you got to look at God's will. That's how you got to look at it is that, you know, do I take this job or that? You know, do I turn left or do I turn right? How do I do this? Well, you got to ask, well, how is God going to use me? And maybe sometimes God's like, I'll use you either way. Take whatever job you want. What I want you to do is love your coworkers and reflect me to them wherever it is that you work. 888-528-2557, open line Friday, Richard in L.A. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, hello. Hi, Richard. I have a question. Yeah, it's not related to the topic since it's Friday. That's right, go ahead. I'm in a season of working on my past in a biblical way, so this is the question. How to know when you're done with healing childhood wounds, also called generational strongholds, generational patterns, general advice on what to ask myself. I understand you can only give me a summarized version in a, in a brief phone call. So. so you're asking, how do you know when you're sort of done with that process? Yeah, like, for example, people can take one extreme or just forgive fast. You don't need to just say if God books from pastors, which obviously I don't think that's correct because your your past wounds could be influencing your, your present. And I don't want to go too soon and say why I forgave. I worked on my anger issues and control issues related to my father because he was an angry man. And that kind of thing, like, how do I know I'm not stopping too soon or kind of dwelling in the past? Is there kind of like a general thing to look for in a brief conversation that you can minister well, to me? And yeah, you know what I would ask myself. You know what I would say, what I would say, Richard, and obviously I don't know all the details and stuff. So, you know, these things uh, and you're talking about childhood wounds and some of those are severe for a lot of people. Um, And, you know, in a way, you will never not carry those with you, whatever they are. Okay. what I and so I don't know that there's a time when you're just done. However, what I would say is this. I think that something God does is he restores and redeems the things in our past that might have been evil that was done to us or even evil that we did. Um, That if we trust him and, you know, we have had terrible things happen to us that affect us, 
there's a point where God can take that thing that happened to you, and he can use that through your life to minister to somebody else who has had the same experience. Or I think I've seen where people seem to experience the most healing is where they take those stories as awful as they are, and they find themselves in a situation where God brings people into their life who need to hear from you in those stories because they need to know that they're not alone, that they're not the only one that this has happened to. Does that make sense? That there's there's a time where I think you can take those horrible things, scars that you have, and you would you would probably say i wish this was not part of my life i would if i could go back and change anything or if i could do it differently i would not have these things but since i do how is it that i can minister to others because of them and maybe that's very specific because you're dealing with something that specifically happens to people or maybe it's just sort of in general with abuse or other things that you've experienced but you know what i would i would focus on as you're dealing with your your treatment or however you're going about it is how would Jesus, you know, Jesus died for me. I am forgiven. I am blessed. I have everlasting life. And these wounds will be taken away. I will be healed. I will be completely, they will be completely forgotten one day. Uh, until that time, is there a way that I can use what I have experienced to bless others by being an ear for them, by giving advice to them about healing, by sharing my story which doesn't mean you got to share it on the radio or share it with a group of people at church, but sometimes it's a one-by-one thing. Uh, does that make any sense? Like, I don't want, I don't want, to, say, I don't want to say there's a time yeah. when you're just going to forget about it and, and that yeah. it won't be so part of your life. But is I think, it okay if I add just, I won't take too long, just because it's very important, because I'm kind of, yeah. I feel like I'm kind of getting towards the end. But yeah. So basically, to clarify, I have a lot of books from the New Life Ministry before you. Yeah. Uh, Can you do me a favor, Richard? i got to go to a break. Can you just hold on through the break? Uh, can you sure, do that? Hold on. Yeah, just yeah, hold on yeah. through the break. We'll get back in just a couple of seconds. It is Open Line Friday. I'll take uh, your calls. I see your calls there, Catherine and Frederick and others who are waiting. The number is 888-528-2557. And I'll be back as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. It is Open Line Friday. We'll take your call about anything, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking to Richard, who asked about when does a, you know, your your dealing with childhood traumas and wounds, when does that come to an end? Uh, Richard, you were going to add something to that as we were making that discussion. This is very important because even my pastor, you know, he helped me with these books. He never, he said he had a pretty decent childhood, so he never needed to go back to his past, but I did not have that experience. I haven't had the worst case scenario, but a lot of yelling and just my father had anger issues. So that's kind of a summary without going to all the, because it's not a canceling session, obviously. But, and so my kind of background is that I did one intense year. I use a lot from the New Life books and other Christian books to apply biblical principles. And my kind of general understanding is someone had moderate intensity in modern terminology is trauma, biblical terminology wounds, right? Depending how you want to view it, uh, word it is that one to two, one or two intense years of 
kind of revisiting the past through biblical principles. You pray, you express Mm -hmm. your pain, your anger, your sadness, you grieve, you're the pastor or uh, Christians, they comfort you. You you view it from God's perspective, you forgive, those kind of things. So how do I know? I mean, you can't give me an easy answer because you're not canceling me one-on-one. But how do I know if my one intense year I did is if I'm done or if I need to do another six months because I don't want to dwell on it, but I don't want to kind of sweep it under the rug. Yeah. You can kind of just like a general for like for anybody listening, even though you're not one, I want to canceling me. Like, how do I know that? Okay. I forgave my father. I worked on my fears that lead to anger. I I talked about my childhood for one intense year. I, I cried a lot. I was comforted. I viewed it from God's perspective. Now when I leave the past, I can stop talking about the past and I can mostly focus on the present and future and not, and only when it comes up, I can say, okay, I already forgave my father. Right. I already forgave my stepfather yeah. for whatever, you, right. that kind of thing. Like, like for one or two years, how do I know if I should stop after one year or if I need a little more? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of my main well, question. Let me, let me just give you a, a real quick, uh, two things. Yeah. Okay. Cause you're right. It's, it's impossible to really deal with, uh, everything with, you know, on the radio and the, and what we're dealing with. But, yeah. You know, one of the verses I've used before with people, it's a little bit out of context, but I think it shows the character of God, is Joel 2.25, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And there's lots of people who have seen this as how God tries to make us new. So really what I'm, I, I'll reiterate what I was saying before, is that at some point when you find yourself in a position to help others with what you've gone through, you see that this is a place where the Lord has redeemed it where it's not gone, but you're not angry in the same way. You see it as something where now this thing that has happened to you is something I can use to help others. And even though you still hurt from it, and even though you still wish it didn't happen, you see that that the Lord can use it to bless others. And you may not be there yet, but the answer to your question is when you see it useful, that's what I often tell people. The other thing I would say is you said you you follow the New Life uh, Live, which is uh, in L.A. right before us on this show. Okay. I have several books, and I listen to them along with other authors, but that's the main yeah. because they they yeah. don't do that. Because I've had I recently got another book by another famous pastor. I won't listen to all the names, yeah. but they but, kind of say, "Well, Paul just minimized every offense and just forgive fast. Yeah. Don't kind of you know, Richard. Everybody's on, yeah. you know, Richard. Kind of everybody's different. Okay, <laughs> so in some way you're going to have a different thing, but those. The those ministries are made for this, and you know I noticed. Have you ever gone to their workshops that New Life does? Uh, I don't. I'm in a just without getting the details. I'm in a serious health trial, so this is along with the medical help. I need okay. to. Do you have internet access? Can, really, you, can you go on the internet? No. Can you go on the internet? I go on the internet. Yeah. Okay, listen, and listen. The internet and and I and I go to church yeah, and look, talk to the pastor right. on the phone. Yeah. Hey, let me let me give you something. I want you to do this, okay? New life. What was the other verse? You said there was two verses, so the, I can the, write the down. Uh, Joel, what I say? I said uh, Joel 2.25. 25, and yeah. what was the second one? That's, and then I'll leave I, that's the only one I gave you, Joel, Joel 2.25. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, now listen, here's what I want you to do, and then i got to let you go to get to other callers, okay? Sure, yeah. Thanks. The New Life Ministry, they do these workshops, and some of the workshops are online. So you can do them right from your computer where you are, okay? And they've got a one-day workshop coming up. Uh, let's see. It is very soon here. I'm looking for the date. I just missed the date here. Uh, 
April 15th online, okay? There's a cost to it, so if you can't afford it, talk to your pastor about it and see if they can help you. But uh, it's online, and it is about um, emotional freedom, which is what you're talking about. And I would pursue the New Life resources, okay, with that. Go to newlife.com, and it's called the Emotional Freedom Workshop, and it's coming up here. uh, uh, What is that? What date is that? Uh, That's tomorrow. So right there. <laughs> so you got maybe some work to do to check that out. They replay it if you can't do it tomorrow, okay? But follow them with emotional freedom, and they've got a lot of other resources. And that's that's what I would say. You know, those ministries are there for this very purpose, okay? So, Richard, i got to let you go, and I'm going to pray for yeah, you real quick, you. and i got to get to the other calls, okay? Uh, God, God, I thank you for Richard. I pray that you would give him freedom from what he's dealing with and that you would let him know how you have redeemed his soul, how you have redeemed his, the entirety of who he is through Christ, and that you would give him freedom through Christ to not only be not bound by these things he's struggling with, but to be able to leverage what you have done in his life to help others who are in a similar position. We thank you, Lord, that he is our brother in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Richard, i got to let you go. Thanks for calling, Pastor Scott. Mm-hmm. Go to New Life Live yeah. and focus on those things. I think they will help you out. God bless you. All right, it is Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. Frederick, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Frederick, you still there? You've been old for a while. Yeah, yeah this is Frederick. I, I was, I thank you for taking my call. I was shocked uh, three days ago uh, about Israel telling people that uh, whoever goes to Israel cannot speak about the name of uh, Jesus. Mm. Is, there, is that uh, normal or what? We no, know I, can, I, can, I can tell you exactly what that is, okay? Yeah. Uh, what it is is that there are two people in the parliament in Israel, okay? There's 120 seats in the Israeli parliament. There are two people who put forward a bill that would make it illegal to uh, speak to anybody uh, to try to convert them in any way to any other religion, and they specifically did talk about Christianity to make it illegal to solicit a person. This is what it says, solicit a person directly, digitally, by mail or online in order to convert to his religion. Now... The thing is, is it's not going to pass. Okay, nobody thinks this is going to pass. There's only, there's only in the party, in the party that put that forward. There's only seven people even in that party out of 120. So it's making the news because it's such a a direct attack on uh, Christianity and really every every religion. But at the same time, right now, nobody thinks that the Israeli parliament is going to pass it, so it's not going to be anything. So it's it's for real what you heard, except that it's not the law yet. It's just something that somebody proposed, and I don't think it's going to become the law there. So I, you know, I would, oh. I would, I would continue oh. to pray because I think it shows the heart yeah, of some we need people. To pray. That's a, yeah, that's but crazy. but that's it's see. not the current law in Israel. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Hey, Thank you very much. You're welcome, Thank Frederick. You. Thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, Catherine in Azusa, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am hanging in there one day at a time. Praise the Lord. Um, I wanted to speak uh, on basically three things, and I'll make them short. The first thing would be um, there was a caller that called about addiction. Yeah. Okay. I was addicted to alcohol. It has been 30 years that I have been cleaned. Um, I at one time had uh, marijuana, and 
becoming a Christian and trusting in the Lord has gave me the strength to become clean and only through him. And if we don't come to him with our addiction and we wait until we come clean, we'll never come because we'll never be worthy enough. Mm-hmm. So by becoming a Christian and by studying, um, praying, um, attending, um, worshiping, all of those things gave me the strength to overcome, and I have been cleaned and washed from them. Oh, good for you. Uh, and, and that's good advice for the person who called, because she said that she doesn't go to church. Uh, that okay. She doesn't have yeah, any but, fellowship. She's kind of doing her own own religious thing. I'm not too sure is Christianity necessarily either. If, if she gets into the Word, finds a church, finds someone, they will help her get through it. That's what helped me, and that's what builds that strength and overcome all of these addictions. It's not easy. It's not. But if we wait until we come clean and then try to go to the Lord, we'll never be worthy enough. you got to go to the we Lord now every... first. Yeah. Right. You're exactly you right. You've got to believe in Him. And, you know, one of the things my mom always told me was, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all you do, acknowledge Him, and He will strengthen your path. Yep. That's a good word um, there, Catherine. I got to go to a break, but uh, I appreciate that advice. I think you, that we always have to keep that advice the forefront. Is that we don't clean ourselves up and then go to Jesus. We go to Jesus, and we're already worthy of His grace um, because Jesus took care of it. And you're right, and it has saved you. Um, obviously, your soul is saved, but you have been sober, and it's the path. It really is. Thank you for your call, mm-hmm. Catherine, for calling the Pastor Scott Show. All right. Hey, it is Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. When we come back, there was a controversy that happened uh, this week, where, or actually a couple of weeks ago now, where Anheuser-Busch, that makes uh, lots of different beers, got in trouble because they stepped into the cultural war by putting a famous uh, uh, trans advocate on their cans, and uh, it, it, it blew up in their face, and their apology came out this afternoon. And we're going to read that. I'm going to ask you if you think it's an apology or not. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements. Like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertisement. That was an advertisement we talked about a little while ago. (laughs) Donald Trump ad against, uh, 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 what's his name, Ron DeSantis. Uh, I guess there's some statement out there that Ron DeSantis likes to eat pudding cups with his fingers and not a spoon. (laughs) 
which is obviously a qualification one way or the other. And that's the ad. And it shows a guy the whole time shoving his fingers in the little pudding pack, you know, like a jello pudding pup. And it puts it in there and spreads it all over his face. Can we and count that as the uh, absurdity of the week? That is the absurdity of the week. I meant to say that. It's <laughs> hey, what happened? That's terrible. Well, we have, uh, you know, the first the first Republican presidential debate is in August, which is right around the corner. I thought we get a little break from all this for a while, but uh, not this year. All right. Hey, uh, you know, something that uh, another controversy that has been going on, by the way, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, is a major beer company, Anheuser-Busch, one of their brands, put um, a social media um, influencer, transgender influencer, Dylan Mulvaney. We talked about this earlier in the week on uh, one of their cans and went out this whole, this whole new approach to, uh, marketing this, uh, this beer, uh, to a completely different crowd than you would normally market it to and kind of insulting the old crowd saying that they were a bunch of, uh, fratty lowlifes or something like that. The marketing person said, well, uh, five, five million dollars or five billion dollars. I think they think they've lost in two weeks. Uh, because of that. So the CEO of Anheuser-Busch came out with an apology, sort of, uh, just a, a couple hours ago. Here's what it says. And what I'm interested in is, do you think this is an apology or how would you categorize this? 888-528-2557. Our responsibility to America. Now, this is a beer company with our responsibility to America. As the CEO of a company founded in America's heartland more than 165 years ago, I am responsible for ensuring every customer feels proud of the beer we brew. We're honored to be part of the fab. It should be like red in the voice for their old commercials. You know, we're honored to be part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people, and our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. I think he's saying that because uh, if you lost $5 billion, if that figure is true, you know, people are going to lose their jobs. It's a major hit they're taking there. Um we have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and a proud history supporting our communities, military, first responders, sports fans, and hardworking Americans everywhere, uh, which is not what they did before. Then he says, uh, before last week, he said, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Uh, my time serving this country taught me the importance of accountability and the values upon which America was founded, freedom, hard work, and respect for one another. As CEO of Anheuser-Busch, I am focused on building and protecting our remarkable history and heritage. I deeply care about this country, this company, our brands, and our partners. I spend much of my time traveling across America, listening to and learning from our customers, distributors, and others. Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to consumers across our nation. Uh, Bill Whitworth, CEO, Anheuser-Busch. Is that an apology? Is that an acknowledgement of the controversy? How would you classify that? 888-528-2557. Is there something we can, we can learn from? Because I'll tell you what, the way it's being received by, uh, by, by people who were offended by what uh, Anheuser-Busch did. You know, essentially what's happening, and this is, this is something we're actually going to talk about this next week. Um, we have a guest on, her name next week, Jennifer Say, who is, used to be 
uh, working for Levi Strauss, and she got pushed out of her job essentially because she had the nerve to say that kids ought to go back to school during the uh, the COVID, and that wasn't allowed, and she lost her job for that. And uh, she has been speaking out ever since. She had a response to it. She said, "We are." She said, "Let me rewrite it for you, basically." We are a beer brand that is enjoyed by all kinds of people with all kinds of views across this great country. We aim to bring people together. Moving forward, we'll make sure to keep that at the forefront of our marketing efforts. We will unite rather than divide. We failed to do so in this recent effort. We divided by aligning ourselves with ideology rather than focusing on our great product. We're sorry. We respect all of our fans. We don't think they are, a, they are fratty or out of touch. They hand over their hard-earned money to enjoy our beer with friends. We disrespected them, and we won't do it again. That's what they should have said. She's uh, completely right about that. That is what they should have said. See, if you're going to apologize, you have to acknowledge the thing, even if you kind of don't agree, right? Because the Budweiser people or the Anheuser-Busch people, they might be saying, you know, well, and what's really happening, I think, is that they're, they're terrified. This is the culture that we're in where CEOs of companies whose job it is is to sell beer, that's their job. They're frightened. They've got frightened into uh, the far left agenda by doing this and then insulted the people who actually drink their beer by calling them fratty and out of touch. Um, And now they won't address it because they know if they address it, they probably will uh, offend the other side and uh, have all kinds of death threats and other things, you know, coming from the other side. It's just a disaster. And our our country is in the situation where you can't even have a company and just sell the product that you're supposed to sell to people. It's uh it's really uh really really frustrating. Is that you know what do you think about this? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. We just have a couple of minutes left. Janet and Torrance, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. That was not an apology from the CEO. He never said he was sorry. And you don't have you can sell your product. I've been a business owner before, and I'm retired now, but you know what? You don't have to uh, make everybody happy because you can't make everybody happy. And um, I think he's disgusting. That's all I have to say. Thank you. You're welcome, uh, uh, Janet. You know, that's her response is pretty much what people are saying uh, online. If you follow people's immediate stuff, uh, somebody wrote, I'm looking for the line that says, we are sorry for making a mockery of women, but I can't seem to find it anywhere. Uh, one person said, this blurb's for you. We're sorry. <laughs> the executive who approved this campaign exercised poor judgment and has left our employee. That was not part of it. Uh, somebody else wrote, yeah, um, you wrote, we apologize for mocking real women by hiring a dude in woman face who tells children they will be happy getting plastic surgery. That's pretty harsh, but that's, uh, that's, that's the message, right, that is coming across with all of this. Somebody wrote, hey, chat GPT, please generate an apology statement that doesn't actually apologize or take a stance on anything. Uh, you know, it's, uh, they, you know, they, it's, we are at a time where I don't know how to address that. Obviously, I don't know the CEO, and um, but I do know that probably he didn't just sit at his desk and write it and put it out there. There must have been a bunch of people looking at it, Right. There must have been, you know, advertising people, lawyers, other people, um, you know, PR people saying, you know, what do we say? They all ask the wrong people. They all get it wrong. You, If you're going to apologize, I think that you can do it just like Jennifer Say said. You know, she doesn't even 
you know, uh, deal with a lot of stuff. The, the apology needs to be to the people who are their customers who they said are fratty and out of touch, who they insulted with the whole thing. That's number one apology. Stepping into this issue, unfortunately, you are making statements about who women are, um, about many, many, many issues that are, are being fiercely discussed, particularly about kids. Right? It's just dumb, I think, from a business perspective. You know, when we, uh, like with anything, though, there's an opportunity here with these things to think about our own apologies when we have to make them. You know, I try to tell people when you make an apology, and I say this to myself whenever I have to make an apology, try not to use the word but, you know, try not to say you're sorry and then take it all back because you had a reason, right? One of the things that is so important if you're going to apologize is you have to just put it out there without excuse. Even if you, you sort of don't agree, like you might have offended somebody and you know what, your your opinion about whatever the issue is might be correct, but maybe the way you did it was wrong. Well, then apologize for the way you did it. And you can say it in such a way that takes accountability for, I could have done that better. Um, that says, you know what, I apologize that uh, I called you this name, right? I apologize for the way I did what I did. And don't say but, just leave it there. You don't have to apologize for your opinion. Your opinion might even be right. You know, you can apologize for your opinion if you're convinced otherwise, but your opinion might be right. But you, you, the way we, the way we speak to people, it matters so much. And you know, apologies go a long way. They go an awful long way when we just say we're sorry. When we say we're sorry and we just take accountability for it, even if deep down we're sort of going, I don't know if I agree with it. You know, it just goes a long way to humble ourselves and, you know, we can do it in ways where we're not giving up our principles. We can do it in ways where we don't give up the truth, but we can do it in ways that lifts up the humanity of everybody involved. Anyway, that's just a thought for you. If there's somebody you've got to apologize to, just take accountability for the thing that is there. I could have done a better job or, I could, you know, it's obviously a more complicated thing in different situations, but the big piece is you know, you don't have to sacrifice truth for making a good apology if you need to. Uh, it matters. And uh, Anheuser-Busch messed it up. They did not apologize. Well, this this crisis, they probably made it worse. That's actually what I think is going to happen. Anyway, we're out of time to talk about that a little bit more. Thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or go to our radio station website, keyword Scott. Look for the Pastor Scott Show. God bless you. I am Pastor Scott. Have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday from 3 to 5. Have a good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.